morning, Living Hope. Good to see everybody. Good to see everybody. That was amazing. That uh, worship was really, really great. Um, love those songs. We're going to keep diving in uh, to our um, series that we started a few weeks ago called uh, Relationship Assassins. And so if you want to turn over in your Bibles, you can flip over to the book of James. That's where we'll be today. And uh, James is a... Do you guys know that James has a bad reputation in the Bible? Do you know that? Weird. Martin Luther hated James. He called, he called it a right straw-y epistle. I don't know what that means, but he hated it. Um, straw-y, S-T-R-A-W-Y. I don't know. Straw-y. So, yeah, he hated it. So we're going to dive into it. Um, but it's, it, it's, it is an interesting, you know, we've been talking about these things that can ruin our relationships, the, these uh, relationship assassins, these things that, if we're not careful, can jump into the most meaningful relationships that we have in our lives, whether it be with family members or friends or whoever, church uh, brothers and sisters, these things that can jump in. And if we're not careful, if we don't guard ourselves against these things, then um, some serious destruction can take place. And, and so the one that we're, we, we've talked about several different assassins. The assassin that we're going to talk about today is the wildfire assassin. And, uh, and so we'll, we'll jump into that in just a second. We, um, there was about, gosh, 10 or 12 years ago, Jamie and I were home in um, Oklahoma for Christmas, and um, we were, uh, it was very windy, as Oklahoma typically is, and um, uh, in an area, we, we were in this little town, suburb of Oklahoma City, Mustang, uh, where uh, Jamie's parents live, and the wind cut through this town really hard and caused a, an arc in the power lines, and and a wildfire just swept through that city in like minutes. It just, it was amazing how fast it was going. And we, you know, there was no notice of it. Jamie and I had just actually gotten in the car to, um, to go and see another family member. We were driving down the road. And we we're kind of driving the length of Mustang and we're looking off to our left and we can just see this fire. It's moving like yard to yard to yard super fast. And and uh, we were like, man, that's bad. I hope they get that taken care of. And, and then it hit us. It was headed right towards uh, Jamie's brother's family's house. And so we kind of cut in and, and um, ran into the house and was like, you guys know there's a fire coming? And they, they didn't. And so we're rushing to get people out. As they're grabbing valuables and things that they hope that they could save, I'm out in the front yard and with a water hose spraying the roof and trying to wet things down and, and, you know, hopefully do something to protect the house. And, and, uh, and I mean, they're just moving frantically inside and then uh, the smoke starting to pour in. Um, and anyway, at one point I feel something on the back of my neck, hit the back of my neck and I turn around and I got fire just raining down on top of me. It was like, it had come that quickly. And, uh, and so I'm screaming, you know, everybody get out. And so as they were, running out the front door, I was running in the garage door, and we missed each other, right? And so in the midst of all this smoke and fire, I had no idea where my family was, and I was panicked. I mean, it was, it's probably the most scared I've ever been in my life. It was, uh, it was that moment of, I don't know if you've ever been in any situation where you, where you fought, felt like today might be the day I lose everybody I love, or, or at least a few people that I love. And, um, and I was in absolute panic, and, and so I'm running frantic through the house, and running, then I get outside, I'm running frantic through the yard trying to find them, and then I could hear them 
yelling through the smoke. They had run down the street uh, several doors down, and so I run down to get them, and and uh, and the and then my my nieces and my niece and nephew they're they're crying because their dog's still in the backyard. So I run back to the house to get the dog and get the dog out and everything is anyway. Uh, long story short, uh, or shorter anyway, it, uh, everything turned out fine. They, the, the yard burned, the house had smoke damage, but the house didn't burn, and, and, uh, and, and everything ended up being okay. But that, that, that very raw, uh, primal fear of being, I don't know if you've ever been caught up in a, in a wildfire. It, it, was, it was definitely probably the scariest moment of my life. And James, in this uh, passage that he writes in this letter that we call James, by the way, James, if you don't know, is the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus, um, which, which is crazy to me that um, anybody's brother could possibly believe that they were God. Isn't that nuts? Would you ever believe that your brother was God? Ever in a million years believe that your brother was God? <laughs> like, like, I've got a couple brothers, and I think pretty highly of them. I've never thought God highly of them at all. Not even close, right? And, um, but yeah, so, I mean, to me, that's, that's some pretty serious proof for Jesus being God, that if he was able to convince his own brother, that, that's, a, that's quite a feat. Um, but so, so, yeah, James, the brother of Jesus, who also had become, you know, post-resurrection, had become the leader of the church in, in Jerusalem. And, uh, and so he writes this epistle that, like I said, gets a bad reputation because what James does, let me, let me compare and contrast James to, say, the writings of Paul. Paul is very much writing about the gospel of grace, uh, about um, that we are set free from the bondage of the law and all that kind of stuff. And, and he very anti-works gospel. In other words, we don't have to work our way to um, to Jesus, that his gift of salvation is a free gift to us that we don't have to work for, right? Amen. And so James, on the other hand, writes this epistle, and he says some, some different things. His, his, his epistle te- tends to be focused very much on works, on good deeds and, and things like that. Um, in fact, he, he has one verse, we're going to read it in a little while, but he, where it seems to completely contradict the writings of Paul. So we'll get there in a second. But the, where the, focus, the part I'm going to focus on this morning, though, is this passage in James chapter 3, where he gives us a, a, a quite a little talk on controlling our tongues. Now, I don't know if, you're, if any of you are like me, but this has been my, my, crypt, my personal kryptonite my entire life, like controlling my tongue. Lily is my soul sister in that. And, <laughs> and so... Yeah, it is, I mean, it, is, it, is, it has always been, you know, when I was in elementary school and to junior high, I mean, all through school, it was always the thing that was getting me in trouble was just my mouth. I could, not, I could not resist saying anything that I thought was funny that popped into my head, right? Just could not resist saying it. It didn't matter if it was offensive. It didn't matter if it was inappropriate. It didn't matter if the timing was wrong. It didn't matter if somebody else was talking at the time. It just didn't matter if something funny popped in my head. It was going to come out. And, and, uh, and it didn't matter if other people thought it was funny or not. If I thought it was funny, that was good enough. Right, and so, so that was that was, and, and as you may have noticed, my preaching style still uh, reflects that a little bit. And so, um, but but you know, I've I've learned over the years to kind of get that more under control. I'm still a work in progress, so pray for me. But um, but but yeah, that idea of of taming the tongue, it is it is really tricky. So let's just see. Let's go ahead and see what uh, James has to say about this because this is really good stuff. James chapter three, starting with verse one. 
me uh, grab a drink. I've got, I was telling somebody earlier, my mustache is too long. I have to wipe everything out of it now. All right. <clears throat> Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble, <clears throat> pardon me, does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue <clears throat> is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So he gives us this, this talk about how potentially destructive the things that we say can be. I think every one of us in this room has experienced that at some point in our lives. Every one of us has has uh, maybe intentionally or unintentionally allowed words to kind of come out of our mouths that you know as soon as they came out did serious harm to the people that heard them. Serious harm. I mean, I, I, that's happened to me dozens of times. And sometimes it's been, been a total accident, just thoughtless, careless words. Sometimes it has been in anger. I have, have shot darts at people trying to wound them. And, and we've all been there. You know, especially those people that are closest to you, those people in your family. I'm getting a call from home right now. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, especially those people in my, in my family, it, you know what tends to hurt them, what, what wounds them. And, um, and so when you get super angry, you know exactly where to go for the kill shot. You know exactly where to go. And it is something that unfortunately... Once those words get out, you, you, can't, you can't put them back in. They're out there. They're out there. And you can apologize, and you can try to make it right, and, and, and eventually maybe you can make it right. But once they're out there, they're out there, and it is really difficult to undo that damage. Really difficult. Not impossible, but difficult. We're called to be a people who who measure our words carefully. Uh, and not just a people who are silent and never say anything, but a people who understand the power of the gift of speech and, and know how to use it to the glory of God. That's, that's the critical point. Are we using our speech, the way we speak to and about each other, to the glory of God, to the, to the building up of each other? 
Uh, and that's a tricky, that's a, that can be a tricky thing for some of us. Some of us in this room, you know, you know who you are. Um, you have no filter. You have no filter. You just, anything you think, you say. Anything, and it doesn't matter if it's offensive. You, you've, you've convinced yourself that by being offensive, you're doing people a favor. <laughs> and not always are we doing people a favor, are we? Sometimes we're really tearing people down. I just, you know, I, I've got to, to the point in my life that I want to, my hope, and I, I know I'm not successful at it all the time, but my hope is that I want to be one of those people that when people get around me, they leave feeling better. They leave feeling better. You know, you know those people in your life? You got those people in your life where you just, you just know when you get around that person, you're gonna, you're, they're going to build you up. They're, they're going to say great things about you. They're going to encourage you. They're just going to, you know, it's like you could be down and you just know you're going to get something sweet from this person. And I want to be one of those people. I, and again, I'm a work in progress. But I, it's the direction I want to aim. And I think it's the direction Christ is calling us to aim. I want to... Um, I want to point out this one fact, that our words burn. Go ahead and put that slide up there. Our words burn. And even our careless words have a lasting impact. As James points out, our words have the ability to really destroy people. I bet, I bet almost everybody in this room can think back to some point in your life um, over the course of, you know, maybe it was when you were a child uh, or a teenager, and somebody said something to you that they probably don't even remember today but it stuck with you. It stuck with you and it shaped you. It shaped how you thought about yourself. It shaped how you, 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 what you thought you could or could not do. It shaped how you thought you looked. It's what, whatever. It just, there was something that just dug in and it stuck there. And if you were to go back to that person, and you, and you know, You've got that person, the person that said that, you know who they are. They have, their, their face and their name has stuck in your head for years and years and years. And if you were to go back to that person now and tell them what they said wounded you, they would probably have no memory of it at all. Not because it was just this bleh, just this careless, thoughtless word that came out. Again, maybe intentional, maybe unintentional. But it had no impact on them, but it had a great impact on you. And, 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 and just as most of us in this room have been burned by words directed at us that way, we've also burned others. All of us have burned others with our words. Again, unintentionally, intentionally, it doesn't matter. It just, it just happens. And it's that, it, it's, it's that ability of the enemy to kind of get in our head and, and make something small into something big. You know how James talks about it, you know, from, a, from a, 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 the smallest spark can come the biggest wildfire. We know that to be true here in Northern California. We know that to be true. After every wildfire that hits, they're looking for the cause. They're trying to trace it down to what was it? Was it a, a cigarette thrown out a window? Was it a, a, a single strike of lightning? Was it whatever? But, it can, but something, a, a little campfire, something so small, seemingly so harmless can do so much destruction. Did you guys see, see in the news uh, several months ago the, the couple that was doing their gender reveal with explosives and set millions of acres on fire with that? That is insane. That is insane. So they did a gender reveal and, and was, they blew up something and it was going to be pink or blue, right? And, and they set this huge wildfire and in their, their gender reveal party ended up costing them personally millions of dollars, right? In fines. So I mean, just something so 
I mean, they had no idea, no idea that their little party to celebrate their new baby was going to uh, cost people their homes. They had no idea, right? But something so small, so insignificant can turn into something so destructive. And James is so right in pointing out that our mouths, our speech is exactly the same way. We really do have to be careful. We have to be careful. We have to be thoughtful about how we're using these words. James has this other verse back in chapter 2, and it's probably the key verse of the whole letter. It's the one that everybody thinks of when, when you think about the book of James. But in James chapter 2, verses eight, verse 18, he says this, <clears throat> But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. So this has been one of those verses that I've heard quoted and taught and preached for you know, my whole life. Show me your faith uh, apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And the way I've always heard this taught, and maybe the way I've even taught it before in my life, is that when it comes to our faith, it's not enough just to simply rest in the love and grace of God, that there should be works that go along with our faith. And it's kind of this subtle way of saying the New Testament isn't enough. You also have to keep up the Old Testament law. We have to do both. We have to kind of tie these both together, and it's not, you know, we shouldn't just discard laws and morality and things like that. We have to be able to do both. And that what James is saying is that, yes, 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 grace is all good, but I'll show you my faith by my works. Works are still important, right? That, that's the kind of way it tends to be taught. I think that's absolutely wrong. I think it's absolutely wrong to teach it that way. I don't think that's what James is saying at all. James is talking about works here. He's saying, I'll show you my faith by my works. But it's really important to, to look at the works that he's talking about. And when you read through that whole letter, he talks about a, a lot of different things. He talks about, one, guarding your speech, being careful the way you speak to one another, caring for widows and orphans. He talks about treating people as equals. He talks about avoiding unnecessary conflict. He also talks about living lives of humility. What kind of works is it he's talking about? He's not talking works of law. He's talking works of love. He's talking works of love. That when we try to use this, these verses like this to, to link our Christian living to law-keeping, that's absolutely the wrong way of looking at what he's trying to do is saying that when Christ comes into your life, the fruit that you should be producing is love. It should matter to you how you speak to one another. It should matter to you that you're caring for those who can't care for themselves. It should matter to, your, to you that you're not holding yourself in higher regard than you hold everybody else. Those things should matter to you. Are you walking and, and, and working in love? Now, even in works of love, we don't, we don't use those works of love to somehow earn our position in heaven, but they are... What is it he says in that, um, that last part that we read in chapter 3. He says, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is what he's saying is this. He's like, when it comes to the words that come out of your mouth, it, they're going to be a reflection of what your heart is. It's one of the ways, it's, it, every once in a while the Bible gives us one of these ways. I said Bible. Bible. The Bible gives us one of these ways, ways to, uh, to kind of help measure our faith. And one of the measurements of your faith is, what's coming out of my mouth? What's coming out of my mouth? Do I tend to be a, a person 
who speaks words of love, words of encouragement, words of truth, words of gospel? Or do I tend to be a person who tears people down, talks poorly about people? But what's coming out? And this is not, a lot of times I, as a kid I heard this, especially in youth group, heard this taught as a, you know, a reason why we shouldn't cuss. Again, God did not come as a human and live a whole life, suffer and die on a cross so that you would stop cussing. That's not what this is about. It's are you using your words to love people, to build people up, to encourage one another, to point people to Christ. That's, that's the goal. That's the goal. There are other reasons maybe you should clean up your speech, but this is not one of them. This is not one of them. So, like, how, like, let me just ask you this simple question. When you look at your life, when you really look, like, kind of take an assessment of the words that tend to come out of your mouth, how would you judge yourself in terms of spiritual maturity? I'm not, I'm not trying to judge you, but how would you judge yourself? Like, I, I can look at the words that tend to come out of my mouth, the way I talk to people, and, and I can make an assessment. And sometimes, you know, from, from month to month or year to year, that, that assessment might differ a little bit. Sometimes we get bogged down in negative thinking, and, and that negative thinking tends to come out in our speech and whatever, and so, so that tends to change. But by and large, when you kind of look at how your speech is mirror, mirroring what's in your heart, what would you guess is in your heart based on that? I think it's a fair question that James encourages us to ask ourselves. It's a fair question. Like, like, if Jesus is in me, if the Spirit of Christ lives within me, is that being reflected in what's coming out of me? Is that being reflected? It's a fair question. I'm not going to tell you the answer. That answer is between you and God. But ask yourself that question. Like, is that it? So, so I, want, I want to kind of close out with this, that yes, indeed, our, our words do burn. Our words burn. But let them burn with gospel. Let them burn with gospel. James uses this analogy of fire and how it's a potential to destroy and all that kind of stuff. But fire is not all about destruction. Fire can be a really good thing in our lives. It can be, there's a lot of good things where a little bit of rightly placed fire, controlled amounts, you know, that sort of thing can be a really good thing. It's, it's fire that keeps our houses warm. It's fire that allows us to drive these cars that we drive around. It's fire that ultimately charges all of the things that we use with electricity and, and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's fire ultimately that provides a lot of really, really good and beneficial things in our life. And so Christ has set our lives on fire with his gospel. Let the fire of that gospel come out of us when we interact with each other. When you are uh, around each other, each other. Point people to Christ. Point people to godliness. When we talk about godliness, a lot of times we tend to think of, you know, uh, living life perfectly. That's not what godliness is. Godliness is putting God, putting Christ at the center of your life, making sure that everything you do and the way that you live is always filtered through the, the, the godly life that you're called to live. It's putting Christ at the center of your life. Point people to confidence. There are so many people who they have these inner voices in their head, and it's a lot of us in this room that are constantly telling you what you can't do. 
constantly telling you that you're not good enough, that you'll never be that person that people need you to be, whatever. They're just constantly tearing you down, these voices. And, and, and many of us in this room have convinced ourselves that you will always be just weak of faith, weak in um, strength and character and everything else, that you'll always be kind of a marginal loser uh, when it comes to spiritual things. And Christ and the Holy Spirit living in us tells us exactly the opposite. Tells us exactly the opposite. And we need to join with the Spirit of Christ when we speak to each other and speak words of encouragement into each other's life and build people up. Remember when I said people, I want people to feel better when they walk away from me? It's because I want to make them, help them believe that they can do all things through Jesus Christ. That there's nothing that he's called them to that he also won't provide the ability for them to do it. That he is in the habit of using weaker vessels and, and, and using them in beautiful and strong ways. Strong ways. We need to be a per- people who are encouraging, pointing people to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And not just each other, but the people that we come in contact with in our community and our workplaces, at our schools. Like, let people know that there's hope and there's love and there's Jesus and there's all this stuff inside of us. Like, if people, you know, I asked you, I asked you earlier to kind of judge yourself based on what's coming out of your mouth. Let me ask you this question. If other people around you, other people close to you, were to judge you based on what's coming out of your mouth, what do you think that judgment would be? Is there evidence through what you say and how you say it that the Spirit of Christ lives in you? That's a, that's a, isn't that a, that's a convicting question. That's a really convicting question. Because I think all of us in this room, we, we tend to, we know we miss the mark from time to time. We know that we're, we're not perfect. Like James says, if, if, if somebody can control their tongue, they're a perfect man. They're a perfect person. And none of us can. He says, it can't hardly be controlled, but I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me the strength. I can do all things. Even the controlling of my tongue can be made possible through the Holy Spirit living in me. Amen? That's, that, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good thing. The, the problem is that when we talk about this, this idea of a relationship assassin, Right now, all across this room, most all of us could probably think of ways that we have damaged relationships in our lives through the things that we've said. Most all of us. Whether that's with a spouse or a friend or a child or a parent or a coworker, whoever. We can all think of ways that we've damaged people with our words. And the truth of the matter is, is that we can't always control how people receive our words. Sometimes even words that we intend for good can be received poorly. We can't always control that. But we can control the words that come out of our mouth. We do have that ability. And so like, I, as much as I'm able, as much as the Holy Spirit can keep me on track and keep, keep me thinking about right things, like I'm going to commit to making sure that the words I speak, especially, especially to the people I love, but to all people, are pointed to Christ, they're glorifying to God, they're encouraging, they're building up, they're hopeful, they're godly. 
It doesn't mean we can't ever joke around. It doesn't mean we can't tease one another or whatever. That's my love language, right? That's my love. If I'm teasing you, you know you're in. But I, I want to make sure. I, I can remember one time I had, well, my greatest spiritual gift has always been sarcasm. And, and I come by it honestly. It's the spiritual, it's the love language of my family. Um, the Myerses are extremely sarcastic. And I thought the whole world was that way. I really did. Because my family just ribbed each other constantly, and we were so sarcastic with one another. And then, I mean, brutal. We were brutal with one another, in love. And, but then also, all the sitcoms I was watching on TV, they were all, all those families were that way too. So I just assumed like every family in the world was that way. I remember the first time uh, when, I was in, when I was in college, and uh, Jamie and I had started dating, and I went home to uh, for with her to Dallas to uh, you know meet her family and all of that and and, um, and I was just being me and they thought I was the biggest jerk in the world just thought like who is this guy that will not stop teasing our daughter right like 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 it was just it was I did not make a good first impression at all and so I remember talking to Jamie about it on the way back to to school going what just happened and and she was like yeah my family's not that way I was like well. I thought every family was that way. What's wrong with your family, you know? And, and, uh, and so it was just, it was just, but so I've got this, like, I've got that sarcastic bent to me at all times. And, and unfortunately, sometimes that sarcasm is playful. Sometimes that sarcasm is intentionally hurtful. Sometimes it's intentionally hurtful. You guys know if you, if you got that sarcastic, you know, you know how it is. I remember one time having a, a conversation with my son when he was, I don't know, junior high, early high school, and, and uh, you know, he had done something that had upset me, and, and I said words to him that were sarcastic instead of, instead of helpful. And, uh, and I remember later on, in, in such wisdom, he sat down with me and, and, and just spoke so clearly to me. And he just, he just plainly said it. He said, I know you think you're being funny. He says, but those words kill me. I remember um, doing what I'm doing now and, uh, uh, you know, tearing up and just saying, you're right, and I'm wrong, and I'm sorry, and I'm going to try not to be that way. And, um, but it was this, like, this huge slap in the face that, you know, what you just accept as part of your nature, Jeff, can be really damaging to the people that you love if you're not careful. I, didn't, I wasn't trying to tear my son down. You know, I wasn't trying to, to make him feel less than or worthless or anything like that. I wasn't, that's not what I was trying to do, but, but because I wasn't allowing Christ living in me to come out in my speech in more helpful ways, it didn't matter what I was trying to do. That's what I was doing. I think we have to come to grips with the impact of our words on people. Don't let something as, as frivolous, as just thoughtless, dumb, sarcastic, whatever, hateful, lies, whatever the case may be, words that come out of your mouth end up damaging the people that you care about the most in this life. Like How, how, how dumb is that? And seriously, how dumb is that? Like these are people that you would, you would take a bullet for, that you would... I mean, absolutely lay down your life for these people that you love them so much. 
And yet sometimes with the words that we say, we're flinging the bullets and we don't even realize it. We don't even realize it. Like, let's be a people that resist that particular assassin and go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to allow my words to destroy to the best of my ability, to as much as I'm able to control it. I'm not going to allow my words to destroy the people that I love. I can't control how they receive my words all the time, and all I can do is try to, try to make them hear me for what I actually mean, and that might re- require some follow-up conversations or whatever, but, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to allow the Spirit of Christ living in me to come out and flow out of my heart through my mouth. I'm going to try to use my words to burn for Christ and not for destruction. Amen? Let's be that kind of people. It's tough, but I believe we can do it. Let's pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, I pray that indeed you would deliver us from the evil that is our own mouths, that is our own tongues. We recognize the, the destruction that, that we are capable, capable of. And um, we pray that you would deliver us from that. Pray that as you begin to work in us and shape us into citizens of your kingdom, God, that what flows from our mouths, that our speech would genuinely reflect um, you living in our lives. Let our words reflect our hearts and let our hearts reflect you. God, I pray that you would use the words that you've given us, God, in powerful, powerful, like kingdom building, gospel <coughs> gospel promoting ways, God. God, help us to love people with our words. Help us to offer people the hope that lives within us with our words. Help us to also just enjoy life with each other with our words. God, give us a sense of, of um, joy and of humor that is, that is beautiful and helpful and great to be around. And also, God, I pray that you would, when your Holy Spirit begins to speak to us about certain words that were coming out of our mouths, certain things that we're saying that might, might not be helpful to people, God, I pray that you would uh, make our hearts sensitive to that leading. Help us to be quick to repent uh, and, and, and quicker to just allow you to transform us into the people that you want us to be. Thank you for the beautiful relationships that you've given us. Help us, help us to uh, hold them and guard them with care and, um, and to seek the best for them. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.